Good evening. We are Hi, everybody. in the building. So look, okay, y'all remember that song um, by Rich Homie Kwan? Made me feel some type of way. You remember that song? Um, so if you don't remember this song, it was like I never uh, heard that song until you played it today, but it's okay. It was like a little popping celebratory <laughs> little bop. It was actually before we were saying bop, but anyway, it was Rich Homie Kwan and it was like 2013 and it was all this song that everybody was singing. It was about like reflecting on this is my uh elevated version reflecting on the fruits of your hard labor what you're able to gain at a certain level of success okay you're celebrating your success and with that success comes drama sometimes you know what i mean the people around you you make them feel some type of way okay so now this is rap okay and i know everybody is not a fan but in rap there's something to be said about stunning on your haters. And this was the era of rap that we're in. It was still kind of in the era, but it was, this was when it was very extravagant. Okay. We was taking it to new levels. So of course, you know, everything was expensive cars, women, titles, money, like all of these things were like status things that big homie Kwan had rich. I'm sorry, not big homie Kwan, rich homie Kwan. Look at me dating myself. Um, and so it would make somebody you know, who's not living that lifestyle feel some type of way. But why? The question is, why? Why were those things so important? How did big, now, I keep saying big, Rick, big rich homie Kwan, I'm changing the name. I'm changing the name. Rich homie Kwan. No, I don't know. Right. Why did rich homie Kwan like know that that would work? Like, how did he know? Rich homie Kwan was like, I know this is going to get him. This going to have people feeling some type of way in the streets. And that is because we put value on those things. It was a valuable thing that he knew people place value on and mm -hmm. found to be exciting and would make people jealous. And yes, jealousy is a universal concept. I will give you that. Okay. But if you've ever wondered why certain ideas, concepts, even people make you feel some type of way or someone, you know, cause you know, sometimes it's not necessarily you, maybe it's someone else. Um, then this episode is for Hi, I'm Pam Williams, a mother. And I'm Jessica E. Williams, a daughter. And this is A Mother and a Daughter Truthful Chat, where we discuss our 35-year multi-layered relationship. We've been through so many ups and downs. Not only are we family, but we're business partners in the high-stress world of event planning and production for short films. We've also shared the same therapist for over 10 years. What some people call codependence, we call collaboration. So join us as we share stories from our lives, have candid conversations with other mother-daughter duos, and shed light on the roller coaster ride of being a woman while raising a woman. Welcome back. Welcome to Truthful Chats, 20 minutes, give or take. We've been going a little over. <laughs> it's good information. Designed to engage us in the ongoing practice of getting to generational wellness. More on that below. So each month we have a create generational wellness theme and our weekly Truthful Chat kind of unpacks that theme over the month. The theme for March is Believe, and today's episode is all about believing in your values. Today, we're discussing how your beliefs impact your values, your behavior, and ultimately your actions. And if you can grasp this concept and understand it, you are taking a big step to gaining self-awareness and your personal growth and development. 
big fact. So last week we talked about belief systems. We talked about where do they come from. We talked about does they do they change over not does they? What is what's in my mouth today? Do they change over time? Shout out to Rich Homie Quan. Um, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Like what happens if your beliefs change? So if you missed the episode, I highly encourage you to check it out. And all the episodes we done, we got. Trying to do this in the vacuum. We're doing this for you. Um, so we explore the idea that our beliefs and our values are developed over time and that they're shaped by our experiences, our culture, our uh, upbringing, and our environment. So today we're going deep. So let me make sure I say this correctly. So beliefs are the ideas or convictions that we hold to be true. So I, when we say we, I feel like your family unit, your society, or whatever. They can be based on fact opinion or a faith so religion is usually a thing so like for example we christians so we believe the father son of the holy spirit yeah. um there are some people who very much believe that the earth is flat it's a whole thing it's a conspiracy theory they have youtube communities it's a whole thing okay um some people believe that democracy is the best form of government we live in a democracy we're a little biased for now uh, but if, you know, you go back in history, you'll see like democracy was felt threatened by communism. We're slowly moving toward fascism and aristocracy. But anyway, um, so these are sort of deeply ingrained beliefs. They're like deeply embedded in your psyche, probably from society, family, etc. And they're like a little bit harder to change. While your values are the principles or standards that you hold um, to be important to you. Okay, so this doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's going to agree with you on that. So they got our behavior, our decisions, make decision making, mm -hmm. and um, are often what we base our beliefs on. So, for example, if you're a person like myself who values honesty, integrity, R-E-S-P-C-T, then uh, you're probably going to treat other people that way. Right. Um, those are values that are being expressed because I consider them to be some of the most important aspects of my life. So belief and values are very, very interconnected. Our beliefs shape our values and our values reflect our beliefs. So for another example, if you believe the hard work pays off, you're going to always be about perseverance and grind. determination. You're going to be on the grind. Now, recently in my life, I would beg to probably disagree with that. But if you're that person, that's what you're going to believe. I can't knock you off your square. Um, and then if you believe that everyone deserves respect, then you're probably going to treat people with compassion and kindness. Mm -hmm. You're going to be humble. Shout out to the King Kendrick. But if you don't believe that, then you don't believe everybody deserves respect. You might be a person that daily shells out the smoke. You know what I mean? Like that could be your thing. So you might be very disrespectful and very rude to others. So Beliefs, like values, it. values, beliefs. I don't like it. Not that I wouldn't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> listen, excuse me. Understanding the connection between your belief and your values is really important because it helps you gain insight into A, your behavior, and B, how you make decisions, right? So, if you're examining your beliefs and values, you can identify the underlying motivation behind your actions. Like, Big, rich homie it's Kwan. rich homie Kwan. don't like I, i'm old why why I wasn't is it important him, I just what's the motivation behind him wanting to have those things so literally why do you feel and some type of some way type of way about certain things there are certain things that just 
make you feel either really good or make you want to pop off. I mean, there, there are those things and you need to understand as they say, what are your triggers? What are those things that are making you feel these types of ways? All right. So if you examine your beliefs and values, you can better understand why you do what you do. Now, how do you examine your beliefs and values, right? There's a myriad of ways to do this. Google is your friend, but we're just going to talk about some of the ways that we have found to examine. Myriad means a lot, by the way. Some of y'all say, what? Myriad means a lot. A lot. Okay. (laughs) Variety. Uh, A whole lot of ways. Um, So one place that we believe in over here is journaling. If you come to our house and go in our room, my room, I got journals by the bed. I got journals in the office. I have journals in the den, on the bookshelves, everywhere. And some of them go back to 1989. Don't judge me. But there was something that was really important that I wrote down. And I do go back and read them. Some people say, oh, you journal? You don't know. I go back and read my journals. And then I always have fresh journals around because I believe I'm going to get an inspiration or something that I need to do. And so writing things down helps you helps me. And hopefully if you start doing it, you'll realize that it will help you as well. Gain clarity about what you're doing and identify patterns. Like if you, if I look back, this would bother me. If I look back at something I wrote in 1989 and I'm still doing doing that and I'm still having those type of feelings and getting upset about the same thing, I would be very, very disappointed with myself because hopefully I have grown over the last 30 years. And so what I'm writing about now should not be the same thing that I was writing about, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. So if you take the time to do this, hopefully you will see your growth over the course of your life. Right. (laughs) So I even write down my prayers a lot. I write down because it helps me again, get clarity, get clear on what I'm thinking, get clear on what I I want to talk to God about. And so that's really important. So you might not know how to do that, right? So we're going to give you a couple of... And and let me go ahead and say this before we start. Journaling ain't soft. I hear somebody right now, I ain't finna do all that. Like, I don't need to be writing. Like, I ain't finna... Just just calm down, okay? You ain't got to be hard all the time, okay? Y'all if heard, you don't want a pretty journal, just get a composition notebook. Just get a piece of paper. Get a composition notebook. Some of y'all are still writing lyrics. So for your rap career, so just use that same notebook and just write some things down. Okay, we ain't got to be hard all the time. All right, so we're getting fancy today. We gave y'all some prompts. Okay, these are things that you could use. All right. So here are some things to kind of get you started journaling if you've never done it before, specifically about your beliefs and values. So, what do you believe in? All right. How did you come to believe what you believe? Mm -hmm. Are your beliefs based on fact, fiction, experience, or opinion, or something they always said in your family, but you don't know where it came from, or (laughs) your grandmama always said, hand me down beliefs and values. You know, so explore a little bit, write them out. You don't know the answer to why do we believe this? Go ask somebody in your family. Is this? true or is just this true in our family? You know what I'm saying? All right. And so then what are your values? What's important to you? Why is it important to you? How did it get to be important to you? Was there some experience that made, you know, this be an important, important thing, right? Um, 
I have a quick example. I didn't even think about this, but one of the values that's really important to me is um, doing things in the moment. Like some of you may know or not know that my mom died when I was 17 and she just went to bed and didn't get up. So my value, one of my values is living each day as fully and as abundantly as I can, which sometimes is a problem because I'd be trying to do too much. I'd be trying to pack too many things in in a day. But the value and the belief that I have about that is based on the experience of my mom being here one day and not being here the next day. So I'm always like, okay, well, I should do this and I should do that. I should get as much into one day as I can. Not saying that it's a healthy belief, but I know but it's, your belief. it's my belief and it's, it's my value <laughs> and I know where it came from. Now, sometimes it makes for really good memories. I'll be like, you know what? We ain't doing that today. We're going to the beach. <laughs> we're going to this. We're going to do this or whatever. Because at that moment, that is what I feel would bring joy and peace to our life. So anyway, it could be, like I said, based on experience, based on opinion, based on facts, based on beliefs. All right. And then another technique that I'm super big on in order to evaluate your beliefs and your values is mindfulness, mindfulness techniques and practices. So that is meditation, which is all the rage these days, Uh, deep breathing, body scanning. You can Google all of these things um, or tapping. Um, So these are all mindfulness techniques that can be used to help you explore your beliefs and your values. And it helps you become more aware of your thoughts and your feelings, how they influence your behavior, uh, your physical and your emotional well-being, and ultimately your decision making. So I think I really started getting into this, of course, during the Panini, the Pandalusion, Ponder Replay, the pandemic, because um, we were still. I actually have been sort of starting to do it maybe before, but mm-hmm. I, I think I, I like really committed, you know what I'm saying, to a daily practice. Um, during that time, because it was just so much going on in uh, in my own life, in the world, in the house. You know what I mean? You spending ninety nine point nine percent, hundred hundred and five percent um, of your time with people, and you know we're all human. Can't get away. You wake up every day. You might not be feeling it. So um, it just gave me time to focus and get quiet every day to see where I was at, to assess where I was at before I started taking on, you know, what she dealing with or my dad dealing with her. My nephews were living with us at the time. So that was a whole thing. You know what I mean? So I was having to have my energy pulled in a lot of places and also trying to find spaces to like, I need space for me. And then it also helps if you're, you know, maybe not over something or going through something like to know that that's still present, but I don't want it to affect how I enter this Mm -hmm. day or how I deal with this day or like, how I respond or react to people. So it's very helpful for that. So saying all that to say, when you take time to discover your thinking patterns is very helpful around your beliefs and your values, because you will start to see how they impact your behavior and your decisions. Like I talked about, you know, if you're aware that the argument you had last night is still running, don't be taking that out on the Uber driver, you know what I'm saying? Or your coworker, like that's not their problem. You know what I mean? But if you're not mindful that that's still bothering you, that's a problem. So the so um, they influence your decisions um, that you make, the actions you take, the relationships that you form or how you approach those relationships in the day. And if you believe that you are, you know, capable of handling those things or dealing with those challenges you'll have, um, 
hopefully a better outcome of, of your day. But this is an example of like a value or belief, right? So if you believe that you're a capable person and you can handle this, then you're going to take on challenges and hopefully push through to the other side. You're not just going to be like, I'm just not going to give up. You just, you're a person who believes in perseverance. Um, if you value honesty, then you're probably going to be a person who tells the truth, even if it's uncomfortable. Now there are parameters to that because some of y'all out here offering information that it's the wrong time, wrong place. You know, the person is sensitive. You don't really need to be offering that information. There's caveats to these things, mm -hmm. but this is just, if you're valued, that's how you're going to operate. Um, if you're loyal, then that's your value. You're probably going to be always on point with your family and your friends, even at the difficult moments. You ain't just going to jump ship when stuff gets hard. Jump ship. Let me say that again. When things get hard or things are difficult. <laughs> um, and then if you, your values will hopefully ultimately provide a sense of purpose for you and direction and be like a kind of roadmap or a handbook for your life. So when I think about myself, I always believe that I was supposed to be a storyteller of some story. I love stories. I love plays. I love movies. I love all that stuff. So anything that I do is usually related to this. Even on here, we tell stories. You know what I'm saying? So um, when I was starting to work and do things like that, like I'll for example, when I was a kid, I, I really wanted to of course, do work. Like I wanted to be an actress when I was young, but I also was like, but I could go work at In-N-Out though, because their food is good. Their benefits are great. They have vacation days. They make good money. And everybody just seemed happy when I went there. Like I was like, oh, I might do this. So I didn't really follow through on doing it, but it was something I was like, I just, sometimes, you know, you just got to take it in the chin, go make some money. But I just knew it wasn't related to what I wanted to do. And I've always had parents that support me in that. So I just know that that was a direction and roadmap I was taking. And so even now, all the jobs that I have are somewhat related to storytelling, all the organizations that I'm a part of, the work that we do, all my friends, for the most part, have some sort of connection to storytelling or movies the or arts. the arts or there are patrons of the arts or fans of the arts. So that's been like a really <clears throat> super guiding directive in my life. Yeah. And I, cause am, I value that. You value that. I value um, education. All my education. brothers and sisters are, were teachers, were in the education field, have doctors, have masters, have that. I'm probably the only one that Degree. doesn't have a master's, but. Dang, I have a master's and you don't. Yes, that's true. Oh, well, that's you have a master's. And I, don't. I mean, I wasn't saying that like, to put you down, but I didn't. I didn't think about it till right now. Like, okay, what? so that is based on an experience too, which just really quickly. I mean, generation. I changed masters. I changed majors five times in college. So by the time I got to my senior, five times. Five times. So by the time I got to my senior year, I had decided I wanted to go into business, but they told me it was going to take another year to get out. So because oh, I yeah, did no. not want to take another year, sure I said, "What's the closest thing to business I can major in?" And they said, "Economics." So I majored in economics. I took four econ classes first semester, four econ classes second semester. Oh. It almost killed me. So that's, that's when I decided I'm not going back to school. I don't care. So, but the influence, the generational influence of education, teaching, and that is part of my life. It's part of my DNA. I told you guys last week, all my, my dad, my granddad, my uncles, they were all pastors, ministers. So teaching just Learned. runs in our Learned family. Ministers. So even if I'm not teaching in a school or whatever, if you talk to me long enough, I am probably going to try to impart some kind of wisdom to you and to teach. And in all my jobs, I've kind of been that same 
I know the black lady therapist trope is going around right now, and I don't want to really go into that, (laughs) but I usually am the person on the job that people will come to and sort of talk to about things and ask questions. And at church and different places, and you guys all know, I believe in educating, helping people be better, helping people be well, emotionally, physically, spiritually, um, financially, all of those things. So that's one of the reasons that we have Create generational wellness. Create generational wellness. Because that storytelling is in her DNA. Education and teaching is in my DNA. All right. So um, how do you know if what you believe and what you value is really aligned to the goals that you have in life? And if they're not, how do you kind of shift and make the adjustment and take the time to kind of think about that a little bit. So, you know, kind of grab your journal again or, you know, your Your piece piece of paper paper or whatever whatever you have. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit too. So in order to make it align, now that you figured out what you believe in and what your values in, now you have to think a bit, a little bit about what your goals are. What is it that you want to achieve? Ask yourself that. What is your purpose in life? You might not know what your purpose in life is yet, but you know, you know, like that question that they always ask you, if you were doing something and you weren't getting getting paid, paid. would you still like doing it? Would you, what is something that you could do your whole entire life without getting paid? Right. Um, So that kind of will kind of lead and guide you and direct you towards your purpose in life. So based on your previous answers about what you believe and then what you kind of journal and walk through about your goals and your what you think your life is supposed to look like, are they lining up? Does it, you know, does it match? Does it, are you doing things that are like, this is what I believe I'm supposed to be doing and these actions and these beliefs and these values and this behavior is going with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like if I want to be a teacher and I don't have any patience and people Not ask me questions <laughs> and I can't answer them, then maybe I need to kind of readjust what my beliefs and values are with relationship to my goals of teaching um, and helping impart wisdom to people. Cause people gonna ask you questions and you need to have the patience to say, okay, I might not have thought of that that way, but let me see if I can, you know, dig down into my storehouse and come up with something that might be helpful. And walk the storehouse. You're so churchy. And walk people through the steps. You say that like it's the bathroom, but keep going. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. The storehouse is a churchy word. Y'all know it is. Um, but yeah, and then have the patience to actually teach the person the steps to the thing. Like, mm-hmm. you, if you don't have that, then that's a tad problematic. Yeah, but, it's it's, you know. it's a really important step because when your beliefs and your values are in line with, with your goals, you're more motivated and focused on achieving them. You'll you won't fall off really quickly because this is something you really passionately believe in and value. And so then you make decisions that line up with that, and then you start to have a more satisfying life. Like your life is like. Whew, okay, I can feel the peace. I can feel the zen because I'm not over here trying to do this. Back over here trying to do this. Whatever. We're we're going in the same flow. We're going in the same direction. All right. So yeah, I think we've kind of talked about this with create generational wellness. Like this is a new thing for us, but it's definitely um, it aligns with our values. Like we've. We talked about being entrepreneurs and doing a lot of things and trying to align all the things that like we had to do a lot of things to figure out 
Okay, what's the common thread here? And how can we put all of these values together in one thing? And so create generational wellness is our uh, latest and greatest iteration and our umbrella. Praise Jesus. I'm, every day I'm like, Lord, let it work. Okay, so hopefully all the things we do will fall under this umbrella, but we wouldn't have done that if we hadn't spent the time doing many other. years, many years, uh, constantly assessing our beliefs and our values and where we were now and how can we make it work. So, and how I can we help people beneficial. with what we no. have found to be helpful for us? Like, what are the things that we've done that we've, we've kind of found that works for us, right? And has helped us move from the place we were 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when we first started therapy to where yes. we are now. You know, Thursdays is our therapy day. So we both talked to our therapist this morning. Maybe two and um, he was, you know, we were talking about, he said to me, where you are now is definitely not where you were, you know, 10 years ago, not where you were five years ago. Progress. And so, um, again, like I said, if it was where I was 10 years ago, then I wasted a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of energy. And I do not believe in that. Right. At all. All right. So it's very important uh, to ask yourself and, you know, have your little time, quiet time. You're coming to Jesus moment. I'm churchy too. Um, to see if your goals, beliefs, values are aligned. You know, we talked about in the beginning, sometimes stuff comes from your family. You know what I mean? You got, I know this happens a lot of immigrant families, but like, you know, your parents came here, so you could be a doctor, but that might not be necessarily be your passion or what you feel or value. So you might fall out of love with that thing um, eventually. And then if, you know, you are assessing and you find out some things don't line up and you know, you want to need to make some changes uh, that, you know, make you feel more aligned and principled. So bust out your journal, your piece of paper, your napkin, um, your uh, <laughs> whatever you have. OK, um, so this is just sort of an alignment checklist for your beliefs and your values. So you want to make sure that if you as after you do the a journal prompts, if you get to a place where you're like, oh, my God, I'm not who I said I was. I don't even believe in this. I don't. My values have changed. It's okay. You're normal. Um, but encouraging you to seek out information in general that just challenge your beliefs and your values. I feel like you should always be questioning the nature of your reality for all of my Westworld fans out there. Um, I was sad to see it go. Uh, engage in discussions with people who have different beliefs and values than you. Like a lot of times we don't know that our beliefs and values are really our beliefs and values until they get challenged. And that could be an uncomfortable place to be, but you either are going to knock a few buck because <laughs> you're upset or um, you're going to double down on your beliefs. And that's a great place to know. Uh, that's a great place to test that. You want to reflect on your experiences and see how they have shaped your beliefs and your values um, in childhood, in your relationships with your whoever. You want to make sure that you're reflecting all the experiences, not just going through them blindly. And then lastly, you got to be patient with yourself, man. Changing your beliefs and your values is a lot of effort. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of therapy. It's a lot of conversations. It's a lot of things. So don't just think, you know, you did these journal prompts this evening or whenever you're watching this um, and think that tomorrow you're going to be a whole new person. You got to work that thing, massage that thing mm -hmm. out in time. So be patient with the process. Yeah. And although it may be difficult and uncomfortable, 
Um, challenging and changing your beliefs, values, and and actions is absolutely necessary for your personal growth and development. You cannot get around it. If you want to grow and if you want to develop, this is just part of the process of doing that. It's like, you know what? You get up, you got to cook breakfast, you got to brush your teeth, whatever. If you're talking about growing and developing, this is part of the stages that you will have to go to. And you should want to really, like I said, you shouldn't want to be the same person that you were 10 years ago. Hopefully that's stagnation. Yeah. Right and the world is changing. So you got to, you know, you got to try and keep up. Get right. On it, boo. So it's so important to look at yourself, look at your life. Honestly, ask yourself, where did your beliefs and values come from? Are they based on fact and opinion? Are they serving you? If they're not, what do you need to change? And at the end of the day, the goal is to be the best version of you that you can be. Best version the of best you version that of you can that you be. be. Right. So um, <clears throat> we are way over. We're going to have to change our intro to 30 minutes yeah, or less. Yeah, just 30 or minutes like. or less. Maybe it's because of Women's History Month. But anyway. That's true because we would be done right now. But yeah. it's Women's History Month, okay? And we promised that each month we were going to, I mean, each week in this month, we were going to talk about somebody that you may have never heard of before. But we love this story because it was about her beliefs and her values and what she did to change it. Change. Um, the world because of what she believes. So uh, our bio today is about Julia Ringwood Coston. And she was, I wonder if she's related to Mark Coston. We should find out. Anyway, one shout of the, Mark <laughs> shout out to Mark Coston. One of the first black women to edit a magazine. Her birth date is unknown, but we do know that she was named after Ringwood Farm in Warrington, Virginia, where she was born. While she was still an infant, Ringwood moved to Washington, D.C. with her family and attended public schools there. She had almost completed school when her mother died and she was forced to withdraw. Oh, we had that in common. She never finished school. Right, right, right. All right. In the spring of 1886, Ringwood married William Hillary Coston, a student at Yale University who eventually became a minister and writer. I thought that was very cool that in 1886 he was a student at Yale. Because I'm sure that wasn't I know, right? easy. They also had two children, a daughter and a son, and settled in Cleveland, Ohio, where her husband was a pastor of St. Andrew's Episcopal Church. He was especially encouraging of Julia's writing interests and gave her advice based on his experience as a writer. So in 1891, Julia realized that the white journals ignored Black interests and themes. So she decided to create her own journal. And it was called Ringwood's Afro-American Journal of Fashion. Fancy. Before Ebony, before Before, Jack. Before Ebony, before Before. Jack, all of the things. Concerned with the suffering and hopelessness of Black women in the South, she believed that press editorials could be effective in protesting their inhumane treatment. Come on, protest. The 12-page journal, which had a yearly subscription fee of a dollar and twenty-five cent provided advice on homemaking, etiquette, and fashion. Ringwood's Afro-American Journal of Fashion carried illustrations of the latest Paris fashions, along with articles, biographical compositions of outstanding Black women, and promising young ladies. Instructive articles for women and their daughters, as well as love stories. At that time, it was the only fashion magazine for Blacks in the world. The journal received tremendous praise from its readers and other noted publications. In 
1952, Reverend Theodore Holly, then living in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, wrote that Ringwood's African-American Journal of Fashion was already the leading magazine in that nation, while the Philadelphia Recorder declared the magazine a welcome addition to any home, white or black. Victoria Earl, later Matthews, a Black New York Society leader, wrote that the magazine was a major source for instruction and guidance in home organization. Okay. Home training. We need another, <laughs> we need something now for that. But anyway. A rebrand coming on. Her second journal, Ringwood's Home Magazine, was not as well received as the fashion magazine, and so she eventually stopped publishing that. However, she continued to strongly support and encourage women writers through her journal, and she allowed younger contributors to gain publication experience there. She also believed that these writers were good role models for the journal's target audience. So that is Miss Julia Ringwood Coston. Um, go find out more about her. She's pretty interesting. Happy Women's History Month, everybody. We try to get, we're enlightening ourselves, therefore we want to enlighten you, uh, the public, and our great and amazing supporters. So listen, we're over time, but whatever. This isn't an hour long podcast, okay? So either way, <laughs> we out here giving you what we got, okay? So we hope it's been uh, insightful information. We hope that you've enjoyed yourself. You learned a little something, you laughed a little bit. Maybe you shed a thug tear during um, the journal prompts. Anyway, <laughs> we're gonna bid you adieu. But of course, have you subscribed on YouTube? We trying to get our subscribers up, y'all. Please, please, please. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, follow us on IG. Like our Facebook page. We are at Create Generational Wellness on all of the platforms and Women's History. If you know somebody. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Women's History Month. Please, please, please drop it in the comments. Even if this past Women's History Month, if you watch this episode and you like, my auntie's dope and I want to shout her out in her business, do it in the comments. Okay. This stuff lives forever. All right, so um, yeah, drop that in the comments. Let us know how you felt about this episode, previous episodes. Check us out, man. He's everywhere. So with that, we bid you adieu. Good night. Good evening. Love you guys. Peace. <laughs>